Well, good morning, Renewal. Let's try that again. Good morning, Renewal. How you doing? Y'all don't know how to answer that with all these people, right? We doing all right? Good. It's good to be here with you guys. If you're new to our church, my name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor here at Renewal Church of Chicago. And I just want to reiterate what Dan said this morning. Thank you. Thank you for being here with us. We just want to welcome you and coming to our church. If you would, fill out that Connect card. If you didn't get one, there's, they're back on that info table right outside. And I'd love to get to know who you are. I, I like to take people out, get some coffee, tea. Maybe if we're hungry, we get some food. But I'd like to see who God's bringing to our church and how we can get you plugged in here at Renewal or even in the city of Chicago. So fill out one of those. We'd love to uh, get you plugged in. Also, one announcement, next weekend, if you're here with us, December 24th, we did this last year, but we're going to do, it's going to be called an evening with the king. So if you enjoy worship here at Renewal, you won't want to miss next week. We're going to have a worship night at 4 p.m. We're going to have two other churches here with us joining in as we worship Jesus and we, we just really welcome him into this, this whole Advent season where we've been talking about behold the king, we're beholding the glory of God. So we're going to worship the night away for, for about an hour or so, then you can get home and have dinner with your family. So don't miss that next week, 4 to 5 p.m. If you like hot chocolate, we're going to have like a hot chocolate fountain, something good out there for you and all those good things. So be here with us next week. I hope to see you here um, as we worship our king. Well, how many of you guys have been enjoying this series, Behold the King? Amen. 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 God's been doing some good things in this Advent series, Behold the King. So we're going to continue with it today. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and meet me in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Once you got it, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet if you're able as we read the word of God together. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. All right. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1, the text reads, now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there's that word behold, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may worship him. May I come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered from, for him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The very words of God. Amen. Amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, the real versus the fake. You want to say that with me? The real versus the fake. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this time. We thank you for your goodness. God, I just pray that you would hide me behind your cross so that you may be lifted up in this place. Let your people hear from you, Lord not me. Lord, we thank you for this time. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said together. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Well, how many of y'all have ever shopped at Payless? Don't be shy. It's okay. We're in church. Tell the truth. Payless. Yeah, you've been to Payless. Payless, some of y'all don't even know what Payless is. Payless, it's in the name, pay less. You can pay less for something and get something. Maybe it's supposed to be the same quality. It's not, though. You can pay less and get some shoes. You can pay less and get a purse. You can pay less and get some socks. I became very familiar with pay less growing up. We didn't have a whole lot of money, so we went to pay less. I always wanted the new Jordans when they came out or the Jays. I wanted those things, but I couldn't get them because we couldn't afford them. So we went to pay less. I hated going to pay less. Nowadays, it's cool to some people to go to pay less. But I didn't like going to pay less. You got talked about going to pay less. And see, this is back in the day when they didn't have Shaq shoes at pay less. <laughs> they didn't have him. Shaq was still big time. He, he, he was still signed with Reebok. And I love Shaq's shoes. I mean, back in the day, like 90, 1995, when Shaq was big time, he had, he had this shoe called the Shaq Gnosis. Y'all remember the Shaq Gnosis? I love the Shaq Gnosis. They were called Shaq Gnosis. Here's a picture of him. And his big 22-size foot when he's running down the court, you see those. And you would get kind of hypnotized. Hip, hip, hypnosis, Shaq Gnosis, you get it? Yeah, y'all didn't get that until just now. Shaq Gnosis. See, I loved his shoe. But again, they were too expensive for me too. They weren't at Payless. They were in finish line and Foot Locker. So I couldn't afford the Shaq Gnosis. So my mother took me to Payless. And when I went to Payless, I'm looking for the closest thing at this time for the Shaq Gnosis. I wanted something that looked like the Shaq Gnosis, and I found this shoe. I think it might have been called Whack Gnosis. I mean, <laughs> it, it looks something like Shaq Gnosis. And I said, I'm going to get those Shaq Gnosis, and, and nobody's going to pay attention to it because it looks exactly the same. And I went to school, and the bad thing about my school, and Gary, you, you had to wear uniforms. So everything looked the same. And they, they kind of like wiggled around. They gave us some wiggle room with the shoes, so everybody wore the new shoes. You had to wear Jordans. You had to be the hottest thing out. So I'm walking in like, I got the Shaq's noses on, you know. And as soon as people looked at the shoe, they, they noticed that Shaq wasn't dunking this way. He was, he was dunking this way. And then on the other shoe, he wasn't even dunking. He was going through his legs. And, and if you know Shaq, he doesn't go through his legs. So they knew that my shoe was not the real thing. I became the laughing stock of the school because I had the fake ones, not the real ones. Point being, friends, is that there's a huge difference between the real and the fake. And this passage today, I want you to notice that these wise men, they're traveling to Bethlehem. They're on their way to see the true king of the Jews. And the fake king or the appointed king of the Jews, Herod gets upset. 
He's upset because they're coming into town because he believes deep down he himself is the true king. Friends, I tell you again, there's a big difference between the real and the fake. Now, this is very important for us as believers, those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, because I believe we forget who our true king is from time to time. And the fake king becomes how we, it becomes how we feel about politics. It becomes our social media stream. It becomes media period or our own circumstances, our trials, what we're going through, what's happening in the world, period. We begin to believe in that fake king. So what tends to happen is that we become bogged down by everything in our lives and overwhelmed. And I believe this happens because we fail to discern between the real king and the fake king. And now the fake king begins to drive everything we do and how we act in our lives. There's a big difference between the real and the fake. With this, I have one point I want to talk to you about, and I'm going to get out of your way. I've already said it. There is a big difference between the real and the fake king. Amen? This passage, we've heard it before, but this passage, it comes on the heels of Joseph receiving a vision from an angel saying that his wife-to-be, his betrothed, Mary, is with child. Now, just a reminder, they're not married right now. The angel continues to refer to her as his wife because they're betrothed. She's betrothed to him, which is a legal agreement between the father of the bride and Joseph. She is his. She is not to be with anybody else. The same thing for him. This is a legal agreement. It's not an engagement. It's a little bit deeper than that. And now during this time, they're not supposed to have sex with one another. They can't have sex with one another. So when she walks out with a baby bump, this is not something good. This is not a good thing. It's not an ideal situation. This is problematic, this whole virgin birth thing. Myself and Pastor Luke, we've been talking about this weeks leading up to this. This is problematic. Again, friends, I think we look at the virgin birth and and Mary and Joseph's situation and, and that she gives birth to Jesus and we say, oh, yeah, she got to deliver Jesus. What a privilege. Family, she could have been killed for this. They stoned women for this back then. Joseph was about to divorce her quietly. He didn't want her anymore until this angel showed up. This is not an ideal situation. They're going to be ridiculed for the rest of their lives by people because of what's happening here. She would be known as the the woman who who couldn't wait until marriage. She was too hot. And and then then Joseph would be the man who either accepted her as she was or or he's the man who impregnated. Because nobody wanted to hear the angel came to me and God impregnated me and I'm carrying the Messiah. Nobody wanted to hear that. That didn't make any sense to anybody else. So they're going to be ridiculed for the rest of their lives. I mean, nobody wanted to think about a Messiah coming from this nobody-type carpenter named Joseph and then this 14-year-old girl who's, who's a girl. She's not even a woman. Nobody wanted to hear that. Yes, I mean, this is a glorious event, the virgin birth, Jesus being born, but it was not at all peaceful. It was not at all an ideal birthing situation. Y'all, Jesus was born in a stanky old stable where, where, where horses and cows and sheep are. It stinks in there. Y'all better, ever been in a barn before? It does not smell good. 
This is where Jesus is being born. And after he's born, they, they wrap him in swaddling cloths and they lay him in a manger. In case you don't know what a manger is, it's a feeding trough. This is where the, the animals eat out of it. Jesus is laying in a feeding trough. Now, now, pause for a minute. All the mothers and fathers in here, could you give birth in this situation? Could you do this? Be honest. I mean, and, and then on top of this, you keep on reading after the story. In, in verse 16, Herod is coming after them. He's trying to kill them. I mean, could, could you do this? Could you give birth in this situation? Now, this was convicting to me. As a father of four beautiful daughters and then got another child on the way, y'all, my wife and I, when we, when we have babies, we want the room to be plush. Y'all want the nicest bed, memory foam if they got it. You know, I want all of that. I want the TV on the wall, the nice jacuzzi tub. We got to have the candles going. It's got to smell real good in there. You know, we got the birthing ball. It's just right, ready for my wife to do everything she needs to do in the room. I mean, all of these things are happening, and, 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 and we get upset sometimes when the doctor's not in the room, and it's just residents and nurses. I know some of y'all are residents and nurses in here. I love y'all, but when the baby is about to come out, I don't want the trainee. I want the doctor. It's okay. I love y'all. I want the doctor. But you look at this story. There's no doctors around. There's no residents there's no nurses, there's no TVs, no jacuzzis, there's no candles, no essential oils, because I got to say that because some of y'all don't believe in medicine. <laughs> My wife told me last night, she was like, baby, it's the Bible. They had to have essential oils back then. I said, baby, it ain't in the text. It's not in the text. She said, yes, it is. Myrrh is right there. I said, that's after Jesus was born. See, it was only Joseph, Mary, and some stinky old animals in this stable when Jesus was born. This is not at all ideal. This all brings us to where we are today in this text. Now, I need y'all to pay attention to this story as we walk through it. Pay attention to the passage. Now, we know some time has passed since Mary has given birth, since they now, according to verse 11, they're in a house. They're in a house. But we do not know how long it's been. Jesus could very, very well be at least one right now. Now, this is different than what most of us have probably read or seen in books or TV because sometimes we get the picture of the wise men coming and they're coming to the stable with Jesus, Mary, and all the animals and the shepherds there at the same time. But when you read this text, they're actually in a house. So we know some time has passed. See, this is why it's important if you go in our groups, if you're in our groups, this is why we observe the text and look at what's happening. It's important to look at the context and everything that surrounds the passage before you just take something for what you think it is instead of seeing what it actually is. You see what I'm saying? You see, this helps make sense of why Herod would go out and send a decree to kill all of those two and under. Because Jesus is probably somewhere around zero to two years old. He's, he's in that range when the wise man came. Now, in this text, there's three main characters. You got Jesus, you have the wise men, and you have Herod. And we need to talk about all of them. But again, the focus, again, really in this text surrounds around the true king versus the fake king. Now, because this text begins by saying... Jesus was born in the days of King Herod. Let's talk about Herod. This dude was ruthless. 
He was insecure, wanted everybody to know he was the king. He was appointed king of the Jews by the authority of Rome. Now, now, you you may have missed that. He's not really even the king. He still has to to go towards Caesar. He he still submits to Caesar, which is probably why he walks around like, I'm the man. You have to know that I'm the man because he has to prove himself. He's really not the king. He's Herod. He's appointed king over the Jews. But Caesar's the real king right now, so he still has to report. That's why he's throwing his weight around. Dude is crazy. I mean, you challenged him. If If you challenged him, he killed you. He killed several of his wives. He killed several of his sons. He killed several of his relatives. I could picture my man sitting on his throne, you know, it's bedazzled. He's got jewels and everything all on his throne. And you walk up to him like, and you challenged him. He's like, off with your head. Done. Wifey, oh, yeah, you want to argue with me, wifey? Off with your head. Son, oh, you trying to take my throne, my, my son? Off with your head. Oh, my cousin, he's getting a band of folks. Kill them all. Chop the head off with their heads. See, if you've ever seen Alice in Wonderland, I'm pretty sure this is where the queen came from. She, she came after Herod. Off with the heads. That's, that's him. This, is, this dude, he's ruthless. He doesn't care about anybody but himself. You get in his way, he's going to kill you. That's what's happening right here. King of the Jews, I got to kill him. Now, the wise men, on the other hand, they were not kings. The magi or wise men, they were made up of three different classes. You had the astrologers, you had the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. They were a diverse group of men in race and gifting from Persia. They were prominent men involved in religion and politics. You see, I said diverse group of men. That means that all different colors and races were, they were prominent men. So it wasn't always racism like we have now. These, these, all these men are coming to Jesus. Y'all see that? It's not just one racial group. They're coming to him. People listened when they spoke. Hence, Herod doesn't think twice about what they have to say when he comes to him. He's like, man, I, I got I to listen to them. I need to know what they have to say. Now, stick with me, y'all. I'm going someplace with this. I'm coming to your neighborhood. Stick with me, all right? The Magi's question to Herod in verse 2, look at it, emphasizes the word born. You see that? The grammatical construction makes it clear that they asked about who this child is that has this legitimate claim to Israel's throne by virtue of birth. Again, it's a child that has been born. They're looking for a child. Now, friends, let me me frame this up a little bit for you. Let me frame this up because these wise men, they were kind of like them dudes. And for y'all that don't know what I'm talking about in my slang right now, these were the guys that you wanted to hang around. These are the guys that you wanted, to, you wanted to be part of their crew. They didn't travel light either. When they rode through t- town, it was a gang of them. I mean, they had their, basically, they, they had their camels and, and pretty much had a, 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 their own military around them. You didn't, you didn't mess with these dudes. They were the guys that you wanted to hang out with and wanted to be around with. They knew everything. Nobody messed with them, and they all listened to them. Now, this trip... Them coming to see Jesus was at least a 40-day journey. So this is no little thing for these guys to roll into town. This was not an everyday occurrence. 
So there's probably a lot of talk going on around the town. It's kind of like when President Obama used to come to Chicago, being from here, from here, everybody is like, oh, he's in town. This is, when these guys roll in, you can't even roll down Obama Street now. It's the same thing. Like, you couldn't get close to these magi. When they came in town, it was the real deal. And you know what? This is making Herod all the more mad. He's furious because they did not come to see him. They said they saw this star. They said his star, emphasis on the word his. Hence, people back then believed when a star arose in the sky, when a prominent star arose in the sky, meaning very bright, you could see it. When it arose in the sky, that meant that somebody very important was born. Hence, Jesus right here. So they're looking for this star, knowing that they're going to see someone very important. And this star is very bright. They know this is the Messiah. This is the one they're looking for. See, all of this right now would have made Herod more and more furious. Now, with all of this, there's something we have to pay attention to that's very problematic here. And this is what we must not miss. It deals with this juxtaposition or contrast between Jesus, the born birthright king, and the appointed fake king Herod, which goes back to the real versus the fake. This narrative now, it centers around the Magi searching for the king of the Jews, Jesus, to worship him, to give him honor. They want to welcome him in to this earth. And and Herod hears about this and he gets upset. Y'all, we know about this old, insecure, power-hungry Herod. When people challenge him, he's off with their heads. He's killing them. The Magi don't, again, they don't come to see him. They're coming to see Jesus. Y'all, the text tells us that Herod is troubled. He's troubled in his spirit because there is one that's said to be greater than him. He even summons, summons all his cronies. He says, come on, come on, all you guys that, that are devout to me, is this true? I need some affirmation. Is, this, is there one that's better than me? And they're like, yeah, you know, Michael 5, 2. Herod should have known this. Michael 5, 2, it says, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Y'all, by this time, my man Herod, is probably terrified and angry at the same time. He, he doesn't know what to do with himself. So after he figures out this is true, he tells the wise man, he says, whispering, he says, hey, hey, man, when you find this Christ, when you find him, let, let me know. Let me know because I want to come worship him too. Like he's really going to go worship Jesus. He, he wants to go worship him too. Now the wise men... They leave after this, and they follow the star, the star that they said they would, and they found Jesus. They find him in a house. They find him in a house, and they bring him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But instead of going back to tell Herod, they went another way to get back to their house because they had a dream warning them of what Herod was going to do. Now, again, there's a lot going on in this passage right here. There's a lot happening The wise men come from a long ways off to see Jesus. These prominent men of different races and colors come to see Jesus. But the main part of the narrative centers around the real born king and the fake king. And like I said, in the beginning of our time, this is very important because if we don't, as believers, if we don't watch it, whether it be the political environment, our circumstances, 
media, we can easily begin to follow the Herods or the fake kings in our lives, which in turn leaves us overwhelmed and tired, all because we're either forgetting or we don't know who the real king is. Okay, let me put it this way, because I don't think y'all are following me this morning. Let me put it this way. Let's contrast the two of them just for a little bit. Herod, he lives in a palace. He lives in a palace with, with servants, all these people giving him food, doing all these things for him. He's letting everybody know that he's the king. You get in my way, I'm going to kill you. He's insecure, and he only cares about himself. He only does for himself. But then on the other hand, you, you got Jesus. Jesus, who doesn't have to prove himself to anybody. He, he's born to nobody parents in a cave, wrapped in swaddling cloths, and, and lays in a feeding trough. Then he grows up and gathers a whole nother band of nobodies to follow him, and they change the world. He then, instead of, uh, uh, of killing people, Instead of killing people, he gets beat to a pope, then whipped on his back, and he takes a cross, and he hikes up this hill called Calvary, only to be nailed there with nails in his hands and in his feet for things that he didn't do, but for what we did. See, he's God in the flesh. He could have hopped down off the cross and wiped everybody out. Y'all not worthy and wiped everybody out. Herod would have done that. Herod would have did just that, but Jesus stood there on that cross Nails in his hands and his feet for you and I. Then he went to the grave, rose three days later with power in his hands so that if we believe, we can have life. Now you tell me, which one is better, the real one or the fake? You see why the Magi would come so far to come see him? You see why they would search for Jesus? Jesus, the ultimate true and living king, was born. But let me keep going because I don't think all of y'all are with me yet. You're probably still wondering and saying, well, I know all that. I've heard this Christmas story. I've heard all about the magi coming into town. But why, why is that significant to me? What, what does that have to do with my life? I'm glad you asked. Here's the significance. When we as a people, when we start to trust the real king, y'all, it benefits us. But when we trust the fake king... It overpromises and underdelivers. He always does. Hey, let me break this down. When we turn on the news, we flip through social media, or we get rattled by something our president says or the political climate, wherever it may be, and begin to be overwhelmed and anxious by everything, it's because we're trusting in the wrong king. But hear me. If we only trusted in the real king, we would know that Jesus told us in John chapter 16 that the world is not going to get any better. Then in Psalm, chapter, in Psalm 30, he tells us that weeping may endure for a morning, for, for a moment, what's the rest of it? But in the morning, what comes? Joy comes in the morning. I mean, one day that Jesus, even though we're going through all these hardships, one day if we believe in Jesus Christ, he's coming back to rescue us from this fallen world, and we're going to be with him forever and ever in glory. And because of that truth, we're able to live and walk through all our trials and circumstances on a day-to-day basis. Let's keep going, because there's more. See, that that may not have got you, but when we trust the fake king, here, here we go, when we trust the fake king, 
we begin to believe the lies that people have told us that are close to us. The fake friends that call you beautiful, but when you turn your back, they say something else about you. See, we begin to believe those lies, and, and, and then we, in turn, believe that we're good for nothing. And that we're a piece of trash because someone said we were. But hear me, when we trust the true king, Jesus, he tells us in Psalm 139, 14, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That he spent time on you, crafting you and creating you, and then giving you dominion, making you in his image in Genesis chapter 1. He spent time on you. And then he says, if you trust and believe in me in John chapter 10, nothing can snatch you out of the palm of my hand. You see, this all allows the person that believes to walk in a sense of freedom and shake off the haters and all of those people that have something to say about you. Because in Romans 8, it tells me if he is for me, then who can be against me? But I I still don't think some of y'all are following me. See, when we trust the fake king or the Herods in our lives, hear me, here it is, we begin to believe that we are our failures. I made a mistake a while ago. I'm a failure. Mm. I had sex outside of the proper context of marriage. I'm a failure. I, I drink way too much. I can't handle myself. I'm a failure. I look at way too much porn. I'm a failure. I have far too much debt. I am a failure. I'm I'm over 30, and I haven't done anything with my life. I'm not married yet. I'm a failure. I can keep going, but you see where I'm going with this? What what I'm trying to get at is that when we begin to trust the fake king, or in other words, our flesh or the world or what people say about us, then we begin to believe that we are our failures. We begin to believe that we're good for nothing. But on the other hand, when you pick up this book and you pick up this Bible and look at what God says about you, we begin, and we begin to trust the true king, we understand that Romans 8 says that, that, that there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That, that, that we are more than conquerors through him who's loved us. And that all the things, the bad and the good things, are working together for my good, though those who love him. Yes. Ephesians tells us that, that his grace has been lavished upon us. It's been generously placed on top of us believers, letting me know, letting me know and all of those that believe that, 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 that God is not disappointed with me and what I do because Jesus already paid the price for everything. And you know what? That truth makes me want to be better. That truth makes me want to serve him more. That truth makes me want to love him more. Because of how good he has been to me. Friends, hear me. There's a big difference in trusting the fake king and the real king. But let me ask you, who are you trusting? Who are you trusting this morning? See, the wise men in this text, although they're wise, I do believe that these guys are stuck in the middle. They, they, they have a conundrum going on, and they had to make this hard choice between the real and the fake king. 
Do I trust the fake king and go back to him and tell him about Jesus that I just saw? Or do I trust the, the, the real king, Jesus, who I, 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 I see him born? Do, do I trust him? And watch this. Because I believe that they were actually going to go back to Herod. They were going to go back to Herod. It doesn't say that they weren't. It says that they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. So they were going back to Herod, but they were warned of his intentions. And, and now that they've met the true king, watch this. Now that they've met the true king, that they, they, they've seen the real king, they couldn't go back to the fake. Y'all missed it, man. Y'all missed it this morning. See, once they tasted and saw that the true king, the real king was good, they could not go back to the fake king. Friends, have you tasted and seen that the Lord Jesus Christ is good this morning? Again, are you trusting the real king or the fake king? Let me end with this because I, I don't hear enough of you guys and I don't think you're with me this morning. While my wife and I, we were on a trip... We get to go around and do mission trips all over the place, and, and um, we were on a trip, and we have four beautiful daughters, and we left our daughters with my mother, beautiful mom, Indianapolis, love her, bless her heart. Our, our kids are awesome, but they're a handful. It's, it's four of them, and she's, they're with my mother, and my mother, I guess Nala might have been a handful at one time or something, because she decided to give Nala an Oreo. She was like one years old. I'm like, why did you give her an Oreo? She gave her Oreo, and, and friends, this became a problem. This became an issue. It, 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 I swear, it's something in that cookie that makes it addictive. Anybody in here addicted to Oreos? Be honest. Again, y'all in church, be honest. It got Nala. She loves Oreos. So now it, it doesn't even have to be the cookie. If she just sees the package, the blue package, y'all, she starts... <gasps> Uh, eyes are huge. She's panting because she wants this Oreo cookie. So what we had to do is we had to be real strategic about where we hide the cookies in the house. So because she goes through the cabinets, and you might think it's just babies opening. No, she's really looking for something. She's looking for those Oreos. Well, one day, my wife's at the park with a friend, and her friend pulls out these Trader Joe's. I don't even know what they're called. They're Oreo lookalikes, and she. Josie's or something. This is JoJo's. JoJo's. Jo what kind of name? They pull out JoJo's. Trader Joe's JoJo's. And, and she's looking at the cookie and she puts the package away. And my wife takes the cookie and Nala sees the cookie thinking that it's Oreo because if you look at them next to each other, they look about the, they look the same. You can't tell the difference. So Nala starts, <gasps> she's panting. She wants this Oreo. So my wife gives her the Oreo cookie, this, this JoJo cookie. And Nala takes a bite out of this cookie, y'all, and her face just starts. You know when you taste something real nasty, she just, she's taking it and then she spit it out and threw the cookie across the park. You know, moral of the story is that the fake can never be a substitute for the real thing. Mm. You see, it may be cheaper. It may look the same, but it does not taste the same. It may even be more appealing. It may temporarily satisfy you but it will never satisfy you the same way. See, the fake one will always let you down, but the real one won't. Some of us in here have been trusting the Herods in our lives because they're cheaper. They're more appealing. They may even 
look the same, but they will never measure up to Jesus. Friends, this Advent season, will you stop trusting in the fake kings in your life? Whether it be what's happening in your world or in the world period or your flesh, what you see or what people say about you and just trust the true King Jesus. Will you trust him this morning? I want to invite you to trust Jesus, the real king, in this season, this Advent season. See, you may be going through a lot right now in your life. There may be a lot of tough things that are happening in your life right now. Will you just trust him? See, 2017 may have been the toughest year of your life. Will you trust him? Your marriage may seem like it's on the rocks and there's nowhere else to turn but to end this thing. Will you trust him who's able to do the impossible? Will you join me this morning and stop trusting the fake kings, the Herods in our lives, and will we just trust Jesus? Amen? Every head bowed and every eye closed.